Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Sharon Vanderput. I tell you what, it's just something so special about us being able to be together in one room, worshipping together, praying together. And before we get into the Word, I just want to take a moment to pray. I know I've just prayed, but I want to specifically pray for the Word that I'm about to bring. I just really sense the Father's heart for you this morning. The Father's heart for you, for those who are not here, for those who are going to be here. Just the heart of the Father, that heart full of love. So let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for your love this morning. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this. Would you speak what you need to speak, Lord? Would you encourage us? Would you build us up? Would you heal? Would you mend mend hearts? Lord, open up our ears to hear what you're saying today, Lord. Would you help us to respond to your word? Lord God, would you, yeah, just speak to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. So this morning, um, I am just going to bring together a few bits of what we've been speaking about over the last two weeks and kind of just bring them in. And um, if you could grab your Bibles, please. Um, if you've got your Bibles or your phone on you and you've got the Bible app, um, would you go with me to um, Judges chapter 6? It's... Um, we're going to be looking at the story of Gideon uh, today. And um, yeah, it'd be just great if you could read along together. Now, just before we start reading, I just want to set a bit of a context of what, we, what we're looking at because the context is very important for what we will be talking about this morning. So um, in this time where Gideon was living, it was um, a bit of a different time. Um, It was more of a transition time. So Joshua had already died. So it's after um, Joshua, but they didn't have a king yet. So they're kind of in this in-between, in this transition time. And they were very vulnerable. Israel was very vulnerable as a nation. And there's lots of different nations trying to invade them, conquer them, all of that. So God raised up these judges, as the book is called, or leaders to help deliver the Israelites from all of these nations. So in here comes then Gideon. So let's just start reading in verse 1, Judges chapter 6, verse 1. It says, the Israelites, oh, it's on the screen as well. Fantastic. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. 
Now, as we can see from what we've just read, that there is a lot of trauma going on. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of confusion. There is just so much oppression going on. The Israelites can't cope and they cry out to God. And in comes Gideon. So let's go to verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Wow. Okay, so there's so much to draw out from here. First of all, do you see that Jesus is, well, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, the first thing God says to Gideon is the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now at this point, Gideon has not done anything other than threshing wheat um, in a wine press. But God calls him prophetically mighty warrior. Amen. And then also he's saying, well, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? What is going on? God must have abandoned us. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to that this morning and say, well, if God is with us, why is all of this going on? And many of us can relate to that because we all encounter pain or suffering at some point in our lives. We're not, no one is exempt from pain. And I think God's response to this question is actually very interesting. So let's keep reading verse 14. It says, the Lord turned to him. There's just a sense this morning of the Lord turning to you and speaking directly to your heart this morning. It says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, this is so interesting because God doesn't seem to give an answer to the why. The why is all of this happening, but he seems to focus on a solution and saying, I'm going to use you to do it. And it's amazing because he says, go in the strength you have. I believe God is saying this morning, go with the strength you have. Go with what you have, not with what you don't have. Am I not sending you? There's a sense in, don't worry about how much strength you still have. Don't worry if you've lost all hope. You got me. Doesn't matter how weak you feel you are or doesn't matter how little you think you are. You got me. Can you see that in that response? Go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? I will be with you. It's like God is saying, I'm here. I have not abandoned you. And God has given him a promise here. And do you remember last week what Kevin was sharing about, um, about the Beatitudes, Beatitudes and Matthew chapter 5, about how the people that he was actually speaking to, that crowd, it says that people brought all the sick, the demon possessed, those that were having seizures, all those that were ill is the 
powerless of society, the ones that society saw as the least. And Jesus spoke to them about this amazing, this amazing Sermon on the Mount where he says, you are blessed. And it's a little bit like here this morning where Gideon is saying, I'm the weakest, I'm of the least. And I think some of us can sometimes feel like that. And God is just wanting to lift you up this morning. Now, we're going to pack, unpack this a little bit more. Let's, let's just go to verse 24, where it says, So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Bezerites. Now, can you see how amazing it is that in the midst of all the trauma, all the confusion, all the pain, everything that's going on, Gideon builds an altar and calls it, The Lord is Peace. What an amazing declaration, isn't it? And I feel like someone needs to hear this this morning. The Lord is your peace. In the midst of it all, in the midst of all the storms you might be facing inside or around you, with everything that's going on in the world, the Lord is your peace. Now, as we go on in the story of Gideon, um, by the way, it's okay for you to say yes and amen or nod or it's all right. You can do that. Even though we weren't, I can't see your faces properly. So feel free to be more vocal if you like. Um, so if we go on the story um, of Gideon and it says in Judges 7, basically God brings together, says to Gideon, you're going to fight the Midianites. And he pulls together an army. Now, through all sorts of different things, basically God says to him in verse 2 of Judges chapter 7, you have too many men. Now, given the circumstances of the Israelites being so oppressed by the Midianites, how can God say you have too many men? Okay. And God is saying... You have too many men because they will think that they won the battle and they will think that they will get the glory and they will think they can do it in their own strength. But no, I will do it. I will do it. They will trust in their own strength, but I will do it. So through various different instructions and things God says, this army of 32,000 people, okay, 32,000, shrinks down to 300 now that's huge difference, isn't it? So different things happen where God is kind of selecting the few and he just goes with 300. And basically, you might think, well, that's mad. But like Kevin mentioned last week, the Bible is full of stories where against all odds, the people of God see victories. And basically, God delivers the enemy into Gideon and his men's hands and they're basically almost don't have to do anything. They just have to do a little bit. All they have to do is show up and obey. And actually what happens is, if we, we are not going to read it all, but what happens is that God causes the enemy to turn on each other. And basically that was the job done. God did it all. And Gideon and his men, they were all getting ready. They're like, oh, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to all of this. They did have to do some things, but their main job was to show up and obey. And God did the rest. He defeated the enemy. And in some way, that sounds very, very similar to what Kevin was saying last week about God using the weak for his glory. And it's like God is saying to us this morning, I was saying here, all you have to do is show up and obey. 
Go with what you have and I will add the super to your natural. I will add the extra to your ordinary. Amen. He does. Thanks. That was great. Thank you, Josh. It was very encouraging. He does the rest. We have to just show up and he has the super to a natural and the extra to our ordinary. He is not expecting us to have it all together. Now, some of us might need to just take some burdens off this morning. And I believe that's what God wants to do. You don't have to have it all together. All we have to do is show up for God and obey. Do what he says. And he's saying, I will do it. Now, a quick side note, but we see a very similar thing with David and Goliath, don't we? Where, you know, you think the odds are too great and um, God just does it. Now, I want to go to another part of the Bible. So if you want to go there with me, um, in Isaiah 39 and Isaiah 40, we're going to be looking at those two chapters. But this is another part of the Bible where there is a lot of trauma, confusion, pain, Does that sound familiar to the world we live in at the moment? Um, Well, not just at the moment. It's always going on, but sometimes on different scales. Now, why are we talking about this today? It sounds like a bit of a downer, but I believe that with everything that we're living in, and there's a lot going on around us, God wants us to catch his heart for us and for the people around us. This Father's heart, that loving heart. And there is people around us that are going through Maybe even you're part of them that are going through really hard things. And you are asking like Gideon, God, why is this happening? And if we go to chapter 38, and we're gonna, I'm just going to look at this briefly, and then we're going to draw it all together. So Isaiah, one of the longest books in the Bible, very well-known prophet. And he lived at a very dark time, obviously, like we said. So chapter 39 and chapter 40. There's actually decades in between those two chapters. Now, we just flick a page or just look a bit further down the same page, but it's actually decades in between. Now, as Isaiah 39 is pre-exile. So before the Israelites were kind of invaded and taken off, exiled from their land. And this is where Isaiah is kind of, he's prophesying in Isaiah 39. And he's, we, we don't have the scriptures for that on the screen. We don't need to, but... It's basically Isaiah, well, God is using Isaiah to expose all the brokenness that's going on in Israel. And he's basically exposing everything that's wrong and kind of actually bringing a message of judgment. And God is warning the leaders there that the exile will happen. But it's actually quite interesting because um, the king, I think it's Hezekiah actually, says, um, well, as long as it's not in my lifetime, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's like, wow, what a jerk. Um, to Honestly, um, God is saying all of these crazy things. And yeah, it's Hezekiah. Hezekiah replied, so actually he says, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. After all of that judgment message. Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Well, anyways. So Isaiah 39 they're warning exile is going to happen. Then we go to Isaiah 40. Now this is where the exile has already happened decades later. And we see that the chapter actually starts with comfort, comfort my people. Can you see God's heart in it? He knows, okay, this has happened, but I want to speak comfort 
to my people. God wants to speak comfort to some people today, whether it's you or someone else in your life. Now, the Israelites are in exile and they're going through all the hard stuff that you go through when you're in exile from your home country. And they're having a huge identity crisis and it feels like everything that, who they were has kind of been stripped away from them. Now, if we pick up in Isaiah 40 verse 9, and you can go there with me if you like. It's going to come up on the screen as well. But it says, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and He rules with a mighty arm. See, His reward is with Him and His recompense, I think that's how you say it, accompanies Him. He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now let's just pause here for a moment. You can see that Isaiah is saying here, here is your God. It's like a sense of the Israelites needed a reminder of who their God is because of everything that's happened. Maybe today you need a reminder of who God is because of everything that's going on. And they were declaring, here is your God. Here is your God. Now let's read a bit more and I'll show you where we're going with this. Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in a hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Now we see from what we've just read, there are two very important attributes of God that we can see here. The all-powerful and mighty God, what we saw, with, it says it the sovereign hand. He comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. But then just a verse after, it talks about God's loving heart. He says he tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So we see the powerful and, mighty God, powerful and mighty God that no one can compare to, but at the same time, the loving Father, the good shepherd. Now, these two aspects of God can seem quite opposite sometimes, but they're actually a beautiful combination. Now, um, Trevor, if you could put up the slide that says sovereign, please. So we've just seen this, that it says, uses the word sovereign. So we know of what is said in the first verse, God is sovereign, all-powerful, almighty. Now sovereign is a royal term and that's the powerful, mighty God aspect that we read about. Now Isaiah 40, obviously with everything that it says, with who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, makes it clear that God is not, they're all nervous about what's happening in our life or around us because he's all powerful. It means, sovereign means that even the brokenness, the pain and the sin that we experience in this world does not fall out of God's control. Yes, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And even through and in spite of our suffering and of our choice for evil or sin sometimes, God is working his plans and his purposes according to what he wants, because he's all powerful and all sovereign, right? So you're like, okay, 
I get that part, but then why is everything going on? Why, if he's all powerful and in control, why are we facing what we're facing? Now, Trevor, if you could put up the next slide. That we saw in this chapter, God's amazing love, right? And a product of his love was free will for us, remember? Free will, when we see in Genesis, he gave us the freedom to choose between good and evil and to shape the kind of world we want to be in, right? We can shape whether we choose good or evil. And we see in Genesis that, well, humans chose evil over God's way. Now, the world as we experience it because of that is compromised and broken. And not all suffering is because of humans' decision to choose evil and sin. But there is a big part of suffering that's going on in the world that is a consequence of people choosing evil and sin. Now, how do we reconcile this two? We have God being all-powerful, sovereign, almighty, but His amazing love giving us freedom. And actually, we can default into two categories. And this is a very complex question and that Christians have been struggling with, theologians have been struggling with for centuries. And I'm not trying to solve this issue. It's a very complex question. But I do want to, want to show you something with this. Now, we can default into two categories when we go through hard times. And when we go through hard times, we kind of default to our core beliefs, right? Default to what is already inside of us. There's too much going on to try to figure out your theology and what's going on in the world, what suffering is, etc. Now, there is kind of a pendulum swing with these two. So there is an, some swing when suffering happens or hard things happen. People swing this way to the sovereign way and they say, well, God is all powerful, almighty. He's in control. So if everything that's happening is happening, it's because God doesn't care enough and doesn't love enough to fix it. So some people go all the way here. All right. Now, some people go to the other end and they say, well, because of the freedom and will and everything the choice he's given us, well, maybe God is like a chess player and he doesn't know the next move we're going to make, but he can outmaneuver us if he needs to or what we do or what's going to happen. So it's kind of like, okay, God kind of is powerful enough to outmaneuver us, but you don't know what's going to happen next. Now, the problem with that then is, but how can God or we be certain that his plans are going to come to flourishing. Is that how it's flourishing? Is that the right word? It's going to happen. So there's a bit of problems with both ends, but actually the pendulum swing, at least what I want to share with you today, I believe is more in the middle when you reconcile these two. And when I show you, if we can look at the next slide, please. I believe that the answer is at the cross where it meets at the middle, where Jesus came to die for us, give his life in exchange for us so that we can have a relationship with him. See, the Bible in this passage does not explore the question of why, but it gives you an answer and a solution to tell you that you are not alone because Jesus being almighty, all sovereign, all powerful, did not exclude himself from pain and suffering, but instead came to suffer with us and for us. And that's what the cross represents. 
I can't give you the answer to why you or someone else has to go through what they have to go through. But what I can tell you is that it's not that God doesn't care. The answer is not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God is not all powerful. He cares for you. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you. As we heard two weeks ago from Roger Green when he was having that conversation with Pastor Clive about grief and pain, it says in Isaiah 53 verse 3, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Now, Jesus came and joined us in our suffering. And he took suffering upon him as well, actually. In Isaiah 53, if we keep reading, verses 4 to 7, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Joel, could you come up and play in the background, please, if that's okay? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is such a powerful passage. He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Jesus cares. He sees you. And he took upon himself the suffering. Now, that does not mean that we're not going to suffer in life. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what it does mean is that there is hope. It means that he's right here. He wants to minister to our hearts this morning. Maybe like Gideon, you've been asking, God, why? Why? Maybe you feel abandoned or heavy this morning. He wants to renew your strength today. Like we saw with Gideon, He does not expect you to have it all together. He just wants you. Let's just close our eyes and just let Him show you what He wants to do and how He wants to use you for His glory. Like it says in Judges chapter 6, where God speaks to Gideon. I believe He's speaking this over you this morning. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You're not alone in your pain in your suffering.
the people around you are not alone in the pain and the suffering. Thank you, Jesus, that there is hope. just want to read out another scripture. It's in Psalm 50, verse 15, where it says, And call on me in the days of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Just have such a sense of God's heart and love for you this morning. He says, call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me. It's like God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. Call on me. I will deliver you and you will honour me. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I just want to give us some space this morning to just be with Jesus. Just let Him speak to you, encourage you, maybe show you things. Maybe there's a part of you where you feel like that area needs healing. I feel wounded. Yeah, let's just take the time now to just, just be with Jesus and I'll come back in a minute. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.